You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Today we have a fabulous return guest from season three joining us. But before we dive into today's episode, I would like to acknowledge that I am on Gadigal land. And I am on Turable land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record. And we recognize that sovereignty was never ceded. We would also like to acknowledge that you may have heard something a little different at the start of today's episode. And that is because, drum roll please. We have signed with the Broadway Podcasting network insert confetti cannons here (laughs) we are so excited to be joining the bpn family and we will talk about it more at the end of the episode but for now let's dive right in andy freeborn is a writer composer performist and pianist since completing their bachelor of music musical theater at the australian institute of music andy has toured and performed in shows including spigalisk miracle city in flight entertainment the 2022 australian tour of airborne and a hundred years of magic with Disney. Andy's musical directing highlights include Little Shop of Horrors, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, The Decay of Lying, and Forgetting to Mention with 25A Belvoir. Andy's heart lies in original work and has recently had two workshop productions of their musical Alice presented in 2019 and 2022 along with development of Death to a Butterfly with Antipodes Theatre Co. Their music has been heard across the East Coast in Holy Ship and their original songs performed in an autobiographical cabaret of their personal childhood trauma and journey to coming out in their award-winning rock cabaret everything is shit andy is currently musical directing a little night music for the hayes theater company please welcome to the mic andy freeborn hello my name is andy freeborn and i feel privileged to be conan o'brien's friend oh sorry wrong podcast (laughs) Um, hello thank you for having me hello hi we're gonna start a little bit differently today Andy, tell us what you have been listening to recently. I have been listening to so much Billy Joel, actually. Typically, he's someone I listen to. Maybe he's like my third or fourth down on my Spotify at the end of the year rap party that I get. Um, But this year, he's coming up number one. Billy Joel, a lot of. That and Sammy Ray and the Friends. I think it's my inner lesbian coming out. But it's it's definitely Sammy Ray and the Friends. I, I dig Sammy Ray and Friends. That is some funky jam. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm just going off on a tangent already. <laughs> Show tunes have kind of like left my my Spotify for a while. <gasps> for a long time, uni days. They were the hard hitters right at the front. But at the moment, it's Billy Joel and Sammy Ray and the Friends. Amazing. I love Sammy Ray. What are you listening to? Oh, no. I am <laughs> listening to... <laughs> I am listening to, hang on, (laughs) I feel like anyone who knows me knows what I'm listening to on repeat at the moment. You know what? I've actually just been listening to podcasts. I've been listening to like Abby Chatfield's podcast. Really fun. I just kind of like like listening to a podcast on the way to uni, not really music at the moment, but that's because I'm surrounded by music all the time, you know? What about you, Tori? I am currently listening to on repeat, Unreal, Unearth, which is Hosier's latest album. I am a hosier boy. Boy, do I love me some sad Irish music. No, seriously, I don't know what that man puts in his music, but it's crack and I love it and I live for it. 
and I've listened to it <laughs> many, many times. Is being a hosier boy like how there's Swifties? Is that is that what you meant mm-hmm. by saying I'm a hosier boy? Is that is that what it's called? Obvious. Well, I don't know. I'm just going to call myself a hosier boy, but it's like B O I. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I would call myself name. a bog man because uh, I we refer. I'm gonna stop talking. This is a bog man. What? This is a really stupid tangent. Yeah, because this this feels like right. Okay, (laughs) Hosea's music (laughs) feels like the kind of music you would listen to in a bog, like in Ireland somewhere in a random forest in a bog. Like right, it just it feels like decay. Bog music. Decay and love, and it's yeah. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Moving swiftly along. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from my <laughs> terrible descriptions of music. Aside from music, we're here to talk a little bit about your show, Everything Is Shit. Can you tell our listeners about the show? Absolutely. The show is not shit, I promise you. Um, the show <laughs> is a rock cabaret tea party. That's how we're selling it. It's this expression of trauma in a way that we feel like isn't done so much. It's often fairy dusted in a in a cabaret format that's other people. And it was funny coming to the realization of why I wanted to do the show was I spent so much time of my life being characters and being these often comedic roles, just straightforward. And then to go, you know what, let's be real. And that's what the show is. It is a real conversation through rock songs, through cabaret songs, through Songs that you just want to sit around and sing to at a tea party. It just follows my childhood trauma from age five to the healing that I'm in now. And every time I do the show, I realize new things about the songs I've written. And it's a very long-winded answer. But the show is about trauma and healing in doing so. No, I think that it deserves a long-winded answer. Obviously, this is such a... I'm so excited to see this show, um, and I was lucky enough to get a little tiny sneak peek at La La Lounge the other night. But what spurred the idea behind writing this show for you? I woke up. And (laughs) I just started seeing a... I wish this was a visual medium for for everyone to listen to. (laughs) I just did a very fabulous movement. I woke up. Very much like um, Tracy does in Hairspray. After a few sessions with my psychologist, and I had this image in my head of a baby falling from a plane towards the earth with no one to help it. And I thought, oh my God, that's a song. And I started to realize that I could use my performing not as an outlet for my trauma and anxiety, uh, but as a healing process for. Um, for the trauma that I have. And I didn't actually know I had trauma until quite a few months of going through therapy sessions under the diagnosis, the initial diagnosis of anxiety. And then my psychologist saying, actually, this is what we're looking at here. And it was a, it's trauma. And I just decided to start writing songs about it. And it was so healing and it's forever continuing to be healing and I'm learning so much more. But my the anxiety symptoms that I have and the trauma responses that I usually that usually trigger me are now so much lesser than and I put it to not only the hard work of going to therapy as often as I can, but by doing the show. And that's what spurred the idea. Um, and it started off as 
this show of me being me for the first time on stage, which was the first version of the show, which was Brand New Dress, um, mm. which is a single which you can listen to wherever you listen to music now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Spotify. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, and, I mean, from there, it I started to realise I don't have a lot of trauma about being queer, but I didn't get to discover myself when I was a child because I felt like I had to, or I was in the position of counselling my parents is what it felt like at 10 years old or trying to help my siblings through things, which is what it felt like. Um, so I felt like my teenage years, and every so many queer people have a very similar story, um, but mine was uh, influenced by family, but I never got to figure out what being queer was. So my queer trauma was that I never got to go through it. Um, until I think I was 20, 21, when I, when I'd moved away from home, I'd been in Sydney for a while and I was finally allowed to explore who I was and it took me a long time to do that. Um, so the show initially started there, but I started to realize that I have so much trauma in the past and that singing about it and letting it rip through the piano really allowed me to heal. So I thought I'd continue doing it, and it became Everything is Shit after a quote from my sister, um, <laughs> who I ended up writing a song about. We, every, My family must absolutely dislike talking to me, because every time we chat, it's trauma this, <laughs> trauma that, let's heal. And everyone just wants to go, how are you? But not the full answer. Um, and I'm like, let's dig deep. And I reminded my sister, I guess, of our past. And she replied with, oh, I'm crying because everything was shit. And I said, but it'll be okay. And then and that turned into a song and that turned into this show, which is um, everything is shit, but the tagline is, but it will be okay. So that's what spurred it. It's, it's a healing experience for myself and I, we found for audience members too. Um, I hope it can be for my family in my heart of heart of hearts. I really hope it can be healing for them as well because I get pretty real for, if you know the trauma you're like, wow, that's a pretty full-on song. But if you don't know it, it's just like, oh, wow, that, that's a that's an emotional song. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I'm hoping to continue to do different versions of the show and reiterate it as we go. So right now it's only everything is shit. And the next one, because I'm healing, I won't need to sing these songs anymore. It's very much a what I need right now in this moment. And that is what spurred writing the show. <laughs> That is incredible. Uh, it's it's such a brave thing to uh, be yourself on stage because I know myself, when I go on stage, it's like I'm a character and I enjoy hiding behind the character. But putting your, I guess, your shit on stage for everyone to examine and see and feel, but also for your family to come and see the show, that's exciting and also probably a bit scary. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my my brother and his wife have seen videos of the show um, and they seem to love it. And everyone in my family has a song that's, like, tailored to them, um, which is always really interesting sharing that as well. Um, some people have, that my family haven't seen the show yet and that's okay because I've got to do a lot of work with them privately and showing them the songs and deconstructing why I wrote the song in the first place. And I'm really excited to be able to take the show to my hometown in Adelaide next year for the Adelaide Fringe, where my family will be able to see it in person. It's a very different experience as well, because 
I think hearing a song and watching it from the visual medium of on a screen versus seeing someone live. And I never play the same thing twice. Uh, and I often play around with the vocals and the quality of the um, tone and, and color that I want, depending on how I feel. And it's really nice that I spent time thinking about how I see everyone as well, because I didn't want it to be a selfish healing experience. I was very much like a, we have a shared trauma but we all have a shared trauma being alive i think so i've found and i hope to continue to find that everyone can relate to the show in some way that would be really nice yeah that's beautiful and everyone leaving with with something that they can resonate with because it's also about so many different people and having all of the different audience members with different life experiences that they can take away from it as well. And I guess um, all of the music in the show is original. What does your writing process look like for something like this? Something like this is so different. Wonderful question, Eliza. Because I, I remember being asked this question last time and my answer was very... Because when I'm writing a musical, it's very methodical. It's very much like, this should go this way because big nut for musical dramaturgy and I wanted to do the same thing with writing these songs however it had to come from such an authentic place that words could not describe the feeling and only music really could transcend those feelings so it became less brain Andy and more what does my body need to play right now where is this going so sometimes it was an image that came into my head or sometimes it was a phrase of how i felt and sometimes it was just this anxiety pulsating through my left hand and just going okay let's see where this takes me so it was a very emotionally led journey opposed to uh hyper analytical which is what I am when writing a musical so it became very almost pop song like which is not really my general oral aesthetic which has been really strange and I, th- I guess that's why I've been listening to a lot of Billy Joel and Sammy Ray and the Friends lately because it fits more what I'm into writing lately yeah that's so cool you've taken a shift almost but also a discovery into something new that's also very exciting because it's so new and by figuring out my well discovering more about the the roots of the trauma and how I have healed, how I want to continue to heal, new bits and pieces of trauma from other bits of life. I think the show will continue to shape and the songs will continue to become perhaps more simple in reflection. I'd love to write songs in reflection of everything, almost like a flipped version of the show where it's the same idea of the song, but it's, and now here's what I've learnt. Yeah, that's cool. Which would be really fun. And I think you'll see, well, I think people will see kind of what I mean by that in that this show is very head on. And the reflection is something you do while I think the audience and myself is reflecting while the songs are happening. Whereas this would be, it'd be great to one day do a show where it is. And in reflection, here it is. Yeah. And then we go. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier this year at Newcastle Fringe, um, and obviously received some fantastic, some fantastic, fantastic reviews and feedback. Um, so already we can see, I think, the impact that this show has immediately on an audience. But it's so exciting and it's so cool to see how it's going to get to evolve over time. And hopefully each time we see the show, whether it's still called everything a shit or it's got a new title, it's going to be 
different and it's going to be based on where you are at that point in time. But we're going to take this opportunity to jump into a game. Swipe left or right. Uh, our new game for this season, which is Swipe Left or Swipe Right, which is a cheeky little take on Tinder. So swipe left and right. You're going to swipe left if you don't like something and swipe right if you like something. And then you have the amazing option of super like. You can super like something if this is something that you live and breathe by. So It is great to yes. hear the rules because if you just said, just like Tinder, here are the rules. I have no idea about Almost every single person since... So we we created this game specifically for Milo. And then we've just kept it for the entire season. Um, We like it. And seriously, pretty almost everyone other than Milo doesn't, hasn't used a dating app in years. Therefore, are like, I don't know what this is. And I'm like, fair, because dating apps are terrible. They can be good occasionally, but they're pretty terrible. Just people in happy little relationships having happy little fun, you know? <laughs> happy little fun. <laughs> happy little fun. <laughs> well, I guess starting it off, we're going to start out strong with what do you think? Swipe left or swipe right on TikTok? Oh, swipe left. <gasps> Controversial. Oh, it's such a... Why? Well, for me, it's, I'm happy to elaborate on all of these answers. <laughs> Well, I've never gone on it, and the top, actually, this lie, I went on it for one minute, and I saw it as the largest waste of one minute of my life. I, I, I don't understand it. I feel like you'd be so big on TikTok. With, uh, I, I can see you making up some, like, hilarious, like, musical rhymes yeah, people or would things, and you would go. Yeah, your content. Yeah, they would. Well, this is they the thing. I, I need like a, a a grand group of people to inspire me to want to do that. And I just, yeah. I don't want to spend my time doing that. Look, <laughs> this was the exact answer I anticipated. Yeah. See, the <laughs> thing is, I guess I'd make the content. That's fine. Mm. But I don't want to be yeah. on it. I, I, I just feel like it's a waste of my time. So big, big swipe left on TikTok. Totally fair. I understand. It's um, it's a terrible, terrible affliction that so many of us have. So the next one is, and I also know the answer to this, <laughs> swipe left or swipe right on wine. Ah, <laughs> big swipe. Can I super like? Super like. Yes. <laughs> super like. <laughs> I'm drinking some right now. Go on, elaborate. Tell us. Tell us about Which wine? wine? Are you a red or are you a white? It depends on the weather. It depends what I'm mm. wearing. I, there's a lyric in the show about um, pairing wine with what we're wearing um, as this um, idea of peace. Uh, but I have a very complex, strange relationship with alcohol. Uh, I didn't drink till I was 18, like really strict on myself about that. And then I, I went a little wild, but I it wasn't an issue. It was just like, you know, you're 18, you're going to go to clubs and drink a lot of alcohol. And then I started to get all this anxiety inside of me. And I was like, hey, this makes that feel like it goes away. <laughs> and then I started to get my first like pro work in the theater. And I was just, I was, I was making money and I was a bottle of wine a night followed by like a, like a shot of port or like, Ooh. like a thick red wine. 
it was horrible. It was like a month, two months of that. And it took me looking in the recycling bin to go, you have a problem. Uh, and I was able to lift myself out of that. Now I have a very healthy relationship with wine, which is great. And the, I sing a lot about wine in the show as well. Um, w- writing about wine is very fun. It's also a fun word to say, <laughs> wine. It's a great, it's a great um, word as well. How that wine. W falls out even wine. Wine. Yeah, baby. Why not? Yeah. Now the next qu- the next one is kind of I was just curious from a personal standpoint. I know you have the amazing your amazing show Alice, which I love. Oh, thank you. But I want to know what you think of Alice by Heart. Oh, big swipe to the left. <gasps> I knew it. Yeah. Um, oh my god! Please elaborate. I'm so curious why, or if you can, you don't have to. No, I'm not sworn to any sort of. I'll speak what I'm thinking. <laughs> if okay. they want to write to me about it, they can justify <laughs> their really interesting choices. Um, I'm just not a fan of it, and this it's not really because I'm not because I've got my own. Because I really like a lot of other versions of Alice in Wonderland. I'm like, sure, adapt mm. it. That's what's so wonderful about it. The music just feels exactly like spring awakening and there's something about i think i even thought did i click on the wrong album when i was listening to it and there's something about listening to something that sounds the exact same as something by the same people that i'm like have you gotten into the world of this show enough or like is your style is your you-ness overriding the story that's being told right now because, yes, everyone's got their own style. But um, I just couldn't get into the music because I didn't feel like it suited what they were trying to say. And I listened to it a long time ago. I think there's one song or two songs that I'm like, hey, that's groovy. But I'm like, should that be groovy right now? I don't know. But maybe I'll listen to it again because it's been so long and I'll like it. So maybe it's not a big swipe to the left, but it's a swipe to the left. And maybe I can learn when it comes back around once I've gone through all of my options on this on this Tinder of questions. And I think at first you're like, oh, it has the same sound because it's by the same people. And then you're like, but it shouldn't have the exact same. It shouldn't sound exactly the same entirely. And especially the the distance between them is like, you would think there would be such growth and change. But it is so, so, so similar. Absolutely. And that's what I found in the, in the composition and lyrics. I just thought, oh, you're two people that had a hit in 2005. And now here we are in the 20s. Twen- uh, late tens, and it just kind of felt the same. Uh, and it's not like if it had flopped and it was a completely different style for them or just a completely different feel, I would have loved that. Um, this like like listening to Sondheim's Roadshow. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not a fan of it, but I think he he still it still didn't sound like anything he'd done of his before. I tried avoiding making Sondheim like a god in this interview, and I've made it happen. <laughs> not well, we me just cutting ask. yeah not me just cutting a question about Sondheim. big fan uh and he um, is sometimes number one fan um that is all yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. big fan <laughs> well the final question for this swipe left or swipe right is swipe left or swipe right on mika yeah i know Thank you. 
big swipe right. Love makeup. Yeah. I mean, I knew that was going to happen. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. There's so much fun. There's so much colour in the music. I've, I always bopped out to Grace Kelly and Lollipop as a kid. I actually really like that entire album. Some of his other stuff gets a little whack, and I really like it. Um, and But yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the, the first, um, that album. Beautiful. Well, thank you for playing Swipe Left and Swipe Right. That was the finish, grand finish. <laughs> now, um, I know Tori mentioned before you had your show at Newcastle. What was that experience like putting that on in Newcastle? I tell you. I tell you, it was it was so interesting um, playing a town that we didn't know for the first time. Oh, and by we, um, I get to share this show a lot with the amazing Austin Hall, who is the marketing director for our little team, um, and is also the drummer and does all the drum arrangements and has a lot of musical say in the show. And Lauren McMeekin or Ren McMeekin, who's been on this show before. Um, who is the amazing creative producer of the show and also gets to sing and play with us as well. Um, so we're like, we do this a lot. And then in Sydney, we get to have so many more friends come and play with us on stage and behind the scenes, which is great. So Ren, Austin and I went to Newcastle, never having performed there. To save money, we camped for the entire week of shows. So we're in tents. Um, oh my God. Um, <laughs> it was quite funny. And... No one knew us. And the show was called Brand New Dress. And that's when we started to realize that the show title for us then didn't feel like it sold. But the show also was still Brand New Dress. And that was the story. And we had very small crowds, which was fine. We ended up just standing out on the street saying, there's a free show here in half an hour if you just want to walk in. Which is very, very fringe vibes. Anyway. And it was so much fun in a way doing that. It was absolutely exhausting. But by the time we got to the very end of the season, our audience numbers didn't grow at all. But the word was that we had a really fantastic show. And we ended up getting nominated for two awards. One was for Artistic Merit and one was Emerging Artist. And we won Emerging Artist. And funny side story to the awards night, no one knew who we were. Most of the shows were Newcastle people. Not a lot of people came to see our show. A lot of them went to see the Newcastle show. We're sitting at the award thing and the judges took two, maybe two hours, maybe an exaggeration, but close <laughs> to an hour and a half to decide on the winners. So they just had this boring lounge music playing in the theatre, this very small, groovy little hub. And I just said to Austin, whose drum kit was there, there was a piano there, I said, let's just get up. And we jammed for an hour and a half. Other musicians came up and played with us. And everyone knew who we were by the end of the night. And I just wish there was an opening night event for us to do that. Because by the time we'd won our awards and were nominated, people were like, oh, those people, they're really cool. <laughs> but, which is, I love, it was such a fun night. And winning an award felt really strange uh, for what felt like a defeated season. But we realized we had a good show. And mm. by being in a different place with small crowds, we were able to change the show every night. It was very much like, okay, that mm. didn't work. Let's not use this song in this version of the show. Hey, here's a new song. Hey, let's do this here. 
this works, this doesn't. Um, amongst running around the streets with flyers and posters, which will forever be what we're doing with the show, which we did when we then toured it to Dubbo, which is what we'll do in Sydney, Adelaide, Edinburgh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because that's the gig. But Newcastle was so much fun, small crowds. We won an award. We were very proud of ourselves. What a great story that is. That's fantastic. Even like bringing all the people in yourselves and just like exposing new people, the work evolves and you get to grow and enjoy the performance of it in a lot of ways. That is such a cool story. It was so much fun. And being able, there were so many sweet people who came in for free who ended up saying, oh, this is cool. Ended up going online and buying tickets because they said we you know, this was, you, we really wanted to buy these tickets. And that was so sweet. And people that don't relate to the queerness feel this wonderful need to come up and say, I don't relate to the queer, but thank you. And I loved it. Which oh, is really nice to, to hear that people are relating to it despite the queer overtones that uh, exude mm. from every part of me <laughs> <laughs> as they should yeah. which is not what the show is about but some people come away thinking that that that's what it can be definitely we're we're coming to the end of our interview today and coming to the end talking specifically about everything is shit but um one one thing in particular that we'd love to know is in three words, Andy, why should our audiences come see Everything Is Shit? I've been thinking about this. <laughs> because it's good. <laughs> yes! Uh, no, the Newcastle um, people think yeah, so that's... too. Uh, it is three words. <laughs> no, that's kind of my joke answer. Um, because it's amazing is my real answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I, it's funny... I can't think of three cohesive words, but three separate words that why people should come feel it. Oh, come feel it. Come. Well, that's what you do when you come and feel this show. Uh, it's 4D. You, um, no, you can't come up on stage and touch me. Um, <laughs> side tangent, women love to touch my hair after the show. It's very strange. It is like incredible. 50 plus age they just come and think i love your hair well how would you feel if i just started touching your hair <laughs> do it next time just do it healing fun i'm gonna hyphenate three words rock and roll it's yeah um, it just feels good it feels good there we go potentially free wine there's there's three more as well potentially free wine whoa yeah yeah whoa. we get a little tea party <laughs> vibe at the end of the show nothing tea party alice in wonderland vibe very much like a calm sunday afternoon picnic um at some part of the show where we all just kind of so i shouldn't just munch no don't go eating porcelain <laughs> tori the amount of times i've told you that's gonna break your teeth <laughs> yeah. oh, I absolutely love oh. it well I guess besides our very last question besides your incredible show that you're doing now what's next for you what's next for little old me I'm really excited I'm, I'm very fortunate to be given the opportunity to be the musical director for Hayes Theatre Co's uh, next big production, which is A Little Night Music by God himself. 
And I'm really excited that I get to do that alongside someone I love so much, um, who is Alex Stedman, who is my associate musical director, and will also be playing violin right next to me. Um, so that's what's immediately next. That's from October through till November. And next year, just planning on touring everything is shit um, around, going to Adelaide Fringe Festival, planning to head to Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and getting back into the Irish world next year with a little tour of Airborne. So um, looking forward to lots on the horizon with, um, with healing at the forefront always, which is something I've, I've learned the... The long way. Yeah. And take us out, I'll play us a little song for the show. Oh, yes. Please. <laughs> if you want, I'm just mucking around, but I can <laughs> Well, while you're doing it, how about you take this wonderful opportunity to, to plug your show? Tell us. Give us the links. Tell us where to buy tickets. Give us the socials. Give us all the details. Okay. Can you hear me while I'm playing piano? Yeah. Yes. Okay, you can buy your tickets for Everything Is Shit at Sydney Fringe Festival's website, which you can get a link to in our Instagram page in the bio. Tickets are 29 Australian dollars, and our show is from the 12th to the 16th of September at the Castlery Boutique Hotel. We are doing shows from 6 p.m. And it's absolutely rock and roll. Yes. That is incredible. And that, that's a little bit of music from the show that I'm just kind of like riffing over. That's one of the ballads. But there's a fun rock and roll in there too. Oh, that's incredible. Anyway, this has been Smooth FM Radio. Yeah, you're going to have to see uh, have to go see the show to hear more of that yes. incredible yes. music. Absolutely. <laughs> Please make sure you buy your tickets. There are so many phenomenal shows this year at Sydney Fringe. Obviously, there were some great shows last year at Sydney Fringe. Thank you so much for having me here, by the way. I greatly appreciate you working me into the very busy schedule that is Stage Door. Anytime. No, we we were so happy. Things just happened to align perfectly. You messaged me and I was like, didn't respond for a while because I was like, Do we have time? When can this? When can this? Tori go? always manages to um, work. It has magic. been. It has been s- stressful. I will say, in like the best way possible. We are going through so many big changes at the moment with the podcast. All for the all for the good. Um and um you know, uh we managed to get you on very happily. We're always happy to have you back. Um, but you guys, please make sure you buy tickets to Everything Is Shit. The links will be down in the description below. The links will also be on our Instagram. It will also be on our website. Thank you so, so much for being here today. And thank you, Andy, so much for coming on and chatting to us about Everything Is Shit. We cannot wait to see it. You'll obviously have to tour to Brisbane at some point in time. Well, well no, I lie. I'm to in Melbourne. Melbourne at some point in time because Eliza. Love that. That's exciting. I yes. love Melbourne. Oh, I've never been, but I'm moving. Like, I'm just going to, like, jump in the deep end. That's so moving fun. Moving to Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fell in love with Melbourne when I was there for Death to a Butterfly. It was really fun. 
Oh, beautiful. I'm so excited. It's going to be fantastic to just jump in the deep end. Yeah. Move to somewhere I've never been before, but incredible art scene. So very lucky. A good place to tour your show. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we absolutely will. Oh, well, thank you so much. This has been one of my favorite episodes. How incredible. Anyway, make sure you guys stay happy, healthy, and safe. And we'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.